I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Today, I'm celebrating the 100th episode of the Relationships Made Easy podcast. Cue screaming. And not only are you going to learn a tool today that will, I mean, absolutely make your life and relationships better immediately, but I've also got an incredible gift for you. You know, as my way of saying thank you for coming on this amazing journey with me. So today you're going to learn one of the foundations of not only a happy, connected relationship, but of a happy, fulfilled life. Resilience. I asked what you wanted to hear about for this special 100th episode, and you wanted to learn how to create a resilient relationship. So stay tuned because we are going to get all up in it. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 30 years of experience helping people create connected and happy relationships. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in your relationship today. So let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's the 100th episode. I'm jumping around in my office. Uh, I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I am y'all host. And I can't believe we're here. 100th episode, people. This is the end of season two. This is marking the end of that. It was two years ago, almost to the day that I started the Relationships Made Easy podcast. And uh, I have to tell you, it's been amazing and incredible. And I am ever so grateful for all this. And I'm so excited about it that I've created a super special gift for you because I I just was like, I have to do something special. I have to do something really good. And I did. <laughs> so, so let me just say first that here's the good news about resilience. It's a skill that you can learn. 
And the reason you care is that people in resilient relationships report more ease, satisfaction, contentment, they have better physical health, and deeper connection than people who aren't. So uh, I'm going to break down what resilience really is, why you need it to be happy, and as always, my top tips for making it happen. And so, and I've got this great gift for you. So let me tell you about that right now because I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> so let me tell you this little story first. So during the course of his career studying resiliency, Dr. Dennis Charney, he's the uh, dean of the Mount Sinai School of Medicine and all around brilliant man. He examined uh, this large group of Vietnam War vets for one of his studies, and they had been prisoners of war for anywhere from six to eight years, six to eight years, prisoners of war. These men survived unspeakable torture. They endured years in solitary confinement, but he found that they were remarkably resilient. Dr. Charney found this. And so unlike so many other veterans, they didn't develop depression, anxiety, or post-traumatic stress disorder after the release. And this is despite, I mean, think about it, being under a level of extreme stress that most of us truly can't even imagine. You think you can and you can't. So so what was their secret sauce? You know, what was the secret? And Charney and his colleagues, they administered extensive interviews and tests. And ultimately, they were able to identify 10 characteristics that set them apart. And the top qualities were optimism, altruism, having a sense of humor, and having some meaning in their lives. So, and I'm going to talk about these all today, but optimism was far and away the most important in that study and in other studies. That's the, that's the one. So that's why I created, I was like, what can I give people that could take them to the next level with all this resilience? And since optimism is just the top, top, top thing to be more resilient, I created this special, special, amazing gift to give you, it is free, uh, along with today's podcast. And what it is, I created a free mini workshop on how to be more optimistic. I teach optimism um, in in all kinds of ways, and I've been doing it for probably 20 years. And so I thought, wow, what a natural, <laughs> what a natural thing is something I already love and already do, and it works perfectly here. So it's like an hour-ish training that I've put together for you. And you're going to go do it like a deeper dive into optimism. And you're going to take an optimism test to see where you really fall. It's a real test, uh, not just something I made up. And where you really fall in the uh, continuum from pessimism to optimism. And then learn, I mean, super simple tips to become more optimistic so you can be more resilient in your relationship and in your life. So everywhere. So I mean, talk about something that's really going to be worth, you know, hey, an hour of your time. Um, it's really going to be worth that. So <laughs> uh, I'm really excited. Again, totally free. There's no strings attached. Just something I wanted to give uh, to just, you know, wrap up these amazing first two years. Okay. So, and I want to say one more thing before I jump in is that uh, getting into season three, I'm going to be shifting in the broadcast a little bit in this up and I purposefully named the podcast relationships made easy because, uh, when I first really 
started this, I was niching with couples, right? So a lot of you listening right now, it's because of your romantic relationships. And I'm absolutely still going to do that. You know, that's going to be there. But I, I believe that my tools, the things that I teach you work in all of your relationships. And you've, I have definitely alluded to this in the past, if you've been listening. So, you know, I talk about all this stuff, right? Uh, you know, how uh, this works at work and with your aunt and with your sister and with your dad. Um, and I, I do say that a lot, but I'm I'm going to, as we move forward, be doing that a little more. And so I might even do some podcasts on parenting and um, very specific kinds of things. So I don't want to, you know, quote unquote, exclude anyone, you know, if you don't have kids or something. Uh, but I really want to include something that's a little more broad. And I've been getting these questions a lot. People have been writing in wanting different kinds of information. And so we're going to get bigger. I want to really help your entire life. But as always, the real focus always is on you. You are the, you are the secret sauce. You are what's at the core of all your relationships, your relationship to yourself. So, and that's actually really true for today. So maybe I'm already making the shift a little bit because I want to say that we're going to talk about resilience and how to create it in your couple, but this is really about creating it in your life because, you know, hey, you're you, you, you are part of this couple and you being more resilient is really at the core. Um, having a resilient couple means that at least one of you is resilient. That's how you do it. And so, and think about it. I can't tell you how many people I've had, and I'll maybe you know someone comes in or a couple comes in and say, "Oh, we tried that before. We've tried that before. We've tried. It doesn't work. We've tried that. It doesn't work." And I really always want to pull my hair out because, okay, it didn't work once. It doesn't mean it's not going to work now. I was in a lot of drug rehabs before it worked. I have to tell you that right now. I, and I don't know what was the magic there, but I know that when you don't give up, when you keep trying, when you, you know, all right, it didn't work that way, but what about this? And what if we tried it with this? And what if we tweaked that left side of it? You know, it's really coming back. And I don't know if you've ever read a book that you highlight. I highlight books all the time when I'm reading and I'll highlight them and, then I'll read the book at another time. You know, I'll go back to it and go, oh yeah, that book. I like that book. And I'll go back and read it. And I'm thinking, why on earth did I highlight that? What was I thinking? Why did I highlight that? And I don't understand what I was thinking at the time that certain things were important to me. Well, that's your life. That is life. And so, yeah, a tool might not have worked three years ago when you tried it in marriage therapy, but it might work now. Uh, you were in a different place. You were thinking differently. Maybe you weren't as desperate as you are now. You know, sometimes really, you know, getting your feet to the fire, suddenly a tool will work because you're highly motivated to keep trying it. And the other thing I will say is um, I had a client, a client contact me recently who I work with and um, she said, you know, I'm trying, she's having a lot of trouble with negative thinking. And she said, I I've been trying these negative thinking tools you sent me and, and I, I need more. I'm still having trouble. And I, you know, I'm like, are you kidding? Of course you're still having trouble. You've been negatively thinking for 30 plus years. What, why do you think that two weeks of using a tool, is going to be all better? Of course it's not. There is a way that I really need you to remember that you have to do these things consistently. Nothing works overnight. Anyone who tells you it does is lying. <laughs> you can feel better immediately without a doubt. 
um, you can feel better just after listening to my podcast. Maybe you feel more motivated. Maybe you're feeling, you know, happier about something or uh, maybe you feel understood and that makes us feel better. Absolutely. That can happen. But as far as really changing your life, that takes some consistent <clears throat> work and effort. And, you know, you have to do that over time. It doesn't mean years. It, if it took you, you know, if you're 50 listening, it's not going to take you 50 years to change something just because it took you 50 years to get here. But you can change things actually relatively quickly. As you've learned from other podcasts, it's an average of 66 days to change a habit. But you got to give it a couple months here. You know, I, I always say three months because it's an average of 66 days to change a habit, according to the research, Philippe Lally out of University College London. Thank you. Um, but so that I always say average of 66 days, let's think 90 days. Uh, and so that's why I want you thinking about anything. Don't expect something to, yes, you might feel better, but to really institute change, you got to give it a little bit of time. So enough with my chat and let's get to resilience. Let's do this thing. Um, so the first question, of course, it's really, uh, easy and obvious to ask is why do I care, Abby? Why do I care about resilience? Well, okay. I, and I kind of alluded to this, but let me say it again. I feel like I've used the word alluded twice now on the podcast today. Anyway, um, so resilient people feel good about their relationship and their lives as a whole. I will tell you that right now. They cope better with money issues. Uh, and by the way, all the research linked to all this, you know me, I'm a research junkie. Anytime you want to look at the research, you've got to come over either to, I always do a corresponding blog pretty much not, I shouldn't say always, but 99% of the time, unless it's a, an Ask Dr. Abby episode, there's a corresponding blog on my website. You can just do a search. You can find it um, for whatever I talk about on the podcast. So if you want to look up the research, if you don't believe something I said, <laughs> whatever, you can go over there and it'll link to whatever research I'm talking about. I, I just want to say that yet again. Uh, and there's also the show notes page, which is a little different. That's not the whole blog post with all the research and all the, um, that's sort of a, just a shortened version of what we're talking about and a place to kind of get everything. For example, the optimism gift that's coming at you today, go to the website, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. Uh, this is episode hundred and you will find the link for your free optimism jumpstart workshop. There you go. I don't think I said that earlier. Ha ha ha. You were wondering, how do I get my gift, Abby? Um, the answer is always on the on the show notes page, which is on my website, abbymedcalf.com. Okay. So you care about resilience because resilient people cope better with money issues. They do better with money issues. They, they cope better with health crises, uh, fertility issues, uh, parenting problems, mental health issues, you know, PTSD, depression, anxiety, all of it. When people are more resilient, they do better. Not just Vietnam vets like we talked about. Uh, resilient couples and people really have confidence that they can get through the tough times or whatever conflict can come up. So really they're less stressed. They feel closer to one another. They're more comfortable with one another. The deep trust is there. So true intimacy and emotional closeness is higher in resilient couples. There's lots of research showing that even after experiencing uh, tragedies and hardships, resilient people have reported these better relationships. They report more confidence and more self-confidence and strength, 
even at those times that they're feeling uh, exposed and vulnerable, they report a more, uh, a kind of a deeper, more developed spirituality, an increased sense of self-worth, and really an overall appreciation for life. Come on. Who doesn't want that? Raise your hand right now. You're going to look silly if you're in your car, but that's okay. We don't, we don't care what people think. So, and probably uh, the best part, I think, is that resilient couples come through difficult times stronger and closer than they were before. They learn from what's hard and they use it to make that foundation of their relationship stronger. So, I mean, really, right now, just take a moment. Imagine feeling so sure of your relationship and your partner having your back that you just fully relax. I call it the big exhale. <sighs> it feels so good. You feel so at ease. Uh, that's what I'm talking about here. That's that's the uh, special thing about, resi- about resilience. So, and again, the work you're going to be doing is on yourself first. So I just always want to say that. That's how we're geared today. It's on yourself first and you bring that to the couple. So, okay. So, all right, Abby, it sounds good, but what the heck is it? <laughs> well, and as I said earlier, resilience is a skill. You're not born with it. And like any skill, it, it has these, you know, any skill has kind of main components that you break it down into. And the more you practice those basics, those foundational aspects, the, you know, the, the better you get at that core, those core components, the more resilient you and your relationship will be. You know, if you think about learning a sport, uh, anything really, there's some basic principles. And once you learn those fundamentals, they become easier and more automatic over time. And I, you know, I think about learning baseball and, you know, how you stand and, and your weight on this foot and, you know, your elbow needs to be up and the bat should be here. And, you know, there's all these mechanics that when you're first learning, you're thinking, oh my God, there's so much to think about. This is crazy. But obviously after you do them over and over, you know, you get that muscle memory and, and I, I get up to bat. I don't think about, oh, where should my elbow be or, you know, where should, where should I be, where should my weight be, you know, on what planted foot or whatever. I know it just my, there's this memory and you absolutely positively have that with any of the things I teach, resilience being one of them today. You over time just practice it and you will see that it just becomes, but in the beginning it's going to feel a little jerky and self-conscious and you got to think about it a lot. Just know that that will absolutely go away. All right. So psychologists define resilience as, I'm going to quote, this is from um, the American Psychological Association. So, uh, they define resilience as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress, such as uh, family and relationship problems, serious health problems, or workplace and financial stressors. I, I think that covers everything, right? So you get it. Um, <laughs> it's the real win, and I will say it, so bouncing back is great. Okay, so it's the bounce back. But to me, the real win with resilience isn't just that ability to bounce back, but the way I feel like I grow and learn from the tough crap that happens to me. It's not like I'd wish it on myself, you know, duh, right? But since it happened, what did I learn? It also helps me get through the next tough thing because I can remember that I did it once before. (laughs) I can draw from that experience so I can do it again. I personally end up feeling empowered 
instead of exhausted or hopeless. And then that becomes, you know, its own positive cycle. So getting resilient isn't about, you know, you're not just trying to ignore the bad and just focus on the good. You know, you're not some insane Pollyanna nut. Uh, It's about you really want to leverage those negative thoughts and feelings and create a more positive uh, adaptation to the to the negative stuff that's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> this is life, people. So, you know, for me, it's if I see my, you know, butt has gotten too big for my pants, which it feels like it has lately, and instead of getting depressed, I get fired up to start working out harder because, uh, you know, I know I can change it. I can change that. It's when you argue with your partner for the th- feels like the thousandth time about their drinking, but instead of feeling hopeless that nothing will ever change, you get yourself to therapy. Uh, you start going al and on. You know, you take action. It Maybe it's when your boss is being an asshole yet again, and instead of entering, you know, the downward spiral of despair, you think about, all right, what do I need to learn from this relationship? What is my boss teaching me? And let me get working on my resume <laughs> right now. So uh, Mark Manson has such a great quote. It's my favorite quote of all time about resilience. It's, um, he says, it's, it's turning lemons into a fucking pina colada. <laughs> I love that. Okay. And, and I have to throw in the story because there's no way I can't. Uh, yesterday, I um, did, I, I recorded this podcast yesterday <laughs> and I was going to do a different um giveaway, you know, a different thing that I was going to give to folks, uh, to you all. And it was, I bit off way too much that I could chew. And it really actually didn't match what I wanted to do. But I I was already like thick in it before I realized, oh, this is really not what I should be doing as the thing that, as the gift. It wasn't really a gift anymore. It was this whole thing. And it was like a whole course. It was crazy. Because I get a little crazy. And so, and then, so now I'm like, crap, I'm going to change what I'm giving to folks. That means I have to change the podcast because all during the podcast, I had mentioned this other thing I was going to give you (laughs) that you should come get. And so I'm like, okay, I got to re-record that whole podcast. And then on top of that, this really happened. I swear. Now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm thinking no one's going to believe me. On top of all that, I did the the optimism training I'm telling you about right now that I'm going to give you. Well, I did it yesterday and I did a fabulous job and I recorded it and I did this whole thing and I did it, um, I recorded it on Zoom because I was showing a, uh, I have a PowerPoint with it and this whole thing. Anyway, and uh, it's gone, gone, gone people. I do not know what happened to it. It's so weird. I don't, I'm, I'm not like Miss Tech or anything, but I don't get afraid I'm going to lose stuff because I don't, you know, you don't lose stuff. It's always somewhere. It's nowhere. It's not on the cloud. I looked up articles. My assistant was trying to help me. We were doing everything. I do not know what happened. I I don't understand. It's nowhere on my computer. It is nowhere on my Dropbox. It is nowhere on Zoom. It is nowhere on nowhere. It's on not, there's not a cloud that has this recording. I know it was recording. I was watching it recording. So basically, you know, there's, I don't know, an hour plus doing the, doing that training, an hour plus doing this podcast or whatever it was yesterday, all gone, gone people, gone. <laughs> I had to do it all over again. Um, now I am not going to tell you that I was happy about that, about either of those options. I was not, but I will tell you, do you know how I spent my day yesterday? 
So that was in the morning. And I woke up really early to do all this because I was like, oh, I'm going to get up on the weekend. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to get this crap. I'm going to get this stuff out. I'm be excited. And I, again, felt really good about everything. Um, <laughs> I went to these like premium outlets that I found uh, that I just learned about, even though I've been living in this area for quite a while now. There are these premium outlets out, they're called these San Francisco premium outlets, but I got to tell you right now, they're about an hour and a half outside of San Francisco. Um, and I went with my uh, daughter and her friend, you know, I took some folks and we got in the car and drove, and it was a bit of a drive, uh, out to Livermore, which is a place near here, and went to these premium outlets. And I was online at Gucci and and Toy Birch and... and <laughs> Burberry and everywhere else and had myself a lovely day because, uh, and I was talking to Gary, you know, my man, and, um, I was so upset after everything went and I said to him, Oh, I'm going to have to do this all over again. I have to cancel my plans today. I can't believe this. And he was like, you know, babe, I think you need a little retail therapy. Go out there. And, <laughs> and, and he was right because, and I have to tell you, the podcast is better today because I made some changes to it. And I ended up being, you know, adding some things and uh, uh, that story about Dr. Charney I didn't have in my original one about the Vietnam vets. And um, there just was a way it wasn't as good. It really wasn't. And today when I do the training, um, when I record that for you, my 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 wonderful love, um, it's going to be better because I'm in that place and I'm going to probably tell the story on the training. So, because some people are not going to listen to the podcast and get the training. So there you go. Um, you might hear the story twice, so I apologize, but, uh, it's, that's resilience. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. And it's, it's not, again, it's not like I was, I was all like, oh, it's okay that everything got lost. It's all right. I'll do it all again. Uh, You know, my time is super valuable. I, it, my days are packed. I've got so, you know, I've got teenagers at home. I get max to back baseball practice at home and cooking and it's, uh, someone special to me. It's their birthday today. And so I made a cake yesterday and I was decorating it. I, I just, I can't even, I can't even tell you the things I do because I'm insane. And I have a zoom call with my girlfriends tonight and you know, like there's just stuff, but it's okay. It's really is okay. And it was great to spend the day yesterday like that. It really was good retail therapy. And it was good to just, and to be outside in the heat and, you know, to see people. And it was all good with our masks on, of course, practicing social distancing, which all the stores made you do. And that's why there were lines outside the stores because they weren't allowing everybody in, which was good. But anyway, not good to be online, but you get the idea. Uh, so I'm just saying all this that I practice what I preach because I have to, and I really work at this stuff too. And I have to tell you, I got a happier life, I, a, a happy life. It, I don't know if it's happier than yours or not, but it's happy. And even when bad crap happens, uh, there's just there's a way to really make that pina colada. <laughs> so there you go. I had a pina colada yesterday. Um, I will say I bought maybe a little too much of the premium outlets, but okay. But we're moving on. So let's go. So there are basically four main components of resilience, okay? So I'm going to teach them each one right now and give you some tips and ideas for how to incorporate them into your life, okay? So the first one is, uh, and this is in all the research, is really the social connection or a people connection. So And you know I talk nonstop about connection, right? It is my jam. It's my thing. It's my, my go-to, but and it's really one of the best predictors of resiliency in children and adults. When they look at uh, children, especially, 
when they look at them being resilient. Um, absolutely the number one factor is uh, them having a strong relationship with an adult in their life, you know, having that strong social connections. So connecting to other people is big. Has lots of ways to connect, lots of people to connect with, but obviously I'm going to start with you and your partner. And I'd say the easiest way to connect really is to focus on bids. I got to tell you, it's it's simple and easy. I've talked all about bids. I've got a blog post on it. I have a um, podcast on it, you know, because they always correspond. Uh, bids are huge. They were created by, uh, or first time I ever heard about them is Dr. John Gottman, a famous marriage researcher in New York, who I quote all the time because he is the bomb diggity. Um, bids basically, I'm just going to recap though, it, and uh, you can go to the website and look this stuff up if you want more information, but I'm going to recap right now. It's basically about noticing any time that your partner is trying to get your attention and then you you answer it or you lean into it or you you know you move towards the bid is kind of Gottman's language. So, you know, if your partner is saying, "Hey, this cat video is so funny." You know, they're they're looking at their computer and they're, "Oh my god, I love this cat video." They say it out loud into the room kind of thing. That's a bid for your attention. They are looking for you to be they don't even know it. I'm telling you, consciously uh, people aren't consciously thinking, "Oh, I hope he I hope she comes over and watches this cat video with me." But they are. That's what's happening. So don't roll your eyes. Instead, walk on over and watch it with them. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, if you're, I'll, and I've used this example before, I use, you know, I love to cook and I would be cooking in the kitchen and the, my, my amazing man, you know, Gary, my wonderful partner, he, he's not that interested in food. Uh, he's not Jewish. He doesn't get it. But you know, anyway, um, he's not that interested in food. And there was many a time when I would be like making sauce or something else in the kitchen. I'd be like, Hey, taste this, taste this. And he, his answer was always, Oh, you know, you, Hey, you're a great cook. I don't, you know, no, I don't need to. You're a great cook. I'm sure it's wonderful. That was it. And I'd get pissed. Not like pissed, you know, throwing a pan at him, but inside I would get, a, and I didn't even know I was getting pissed actually, but I would be, I would feel a little hurt and I'd feel a little angry and I'd feel a little rejected. And he's the one who noticed one day that I was making bids that he was missing. He said it one day, he goes, oh, these are bids when you do this. I think he listened to the, every now and then he, you know, he listens to my podcast or reads my newsletter and he's like, oh, I, you know, I get it. You know, he, he, he learns as we go. So you know, you got to go, if your partner is saying, hey, taste this in the kitchen, go taste it. <laughs> Don't dismiss them with that, oh, I'm sure it's good and walk out of the kitchen. Go taste it. It just takes a minute. I don't care if you're full. Shut up. 
Just just take a little nibble. You'll be okay. So, uh, you know, make those appreciative noises. It, it's not hard. It's not hard. If they say, if your partner says they want to talk, you guessed it. What are you going to do? Give them your full attention and talk. <laughs> you can certainly say, hey, I can't do it right now. You know, hey, can we talk a little later? Because I want to give you my full attention. You can do that. Or you can say, um, you know what? I want to give you my full attention. I really only have 10 minutes because then I have to go to this thing. But you have 100% of me for these 10 minutes. Like here I am. I'm looking at you. Uh, and again, you can branch out into other people too, right? Your kids, siblings, anybody who bids. And I have to tell you, any if I had a, a penny for every time my children said, mom, look, mom, look. Hello, those are bids. Uh, so yeah, did I look every single time? Of course not. I had to like get dressed and shower and have a job. But a lot of the times, and I really make a point to look. <laughs> I really make a point to go over and check it out. So there's, and there's other ways to connect. You can volunteer, you can join a group of some kind. Um, you know, those of us in recovery, we have 12 step meetings and groups, which is really kind of great. I, I, we joke in the rooms, like we feel sorry for people who don't have this because <laughs> anywhere you go, you could go meet people. It's kind of amazing. Um, but there's other support groups, depending on your particular struggle, there's tons of them. So you can go find one. It, maybe it's time to start your own book club, right? Uh, anything that'll bring you closer. Uh, you could go to your local temple or mosque or church or, uh, you know, ashram, whatever. All these ways can help you get more connected uh, with with others. Uh, physical well-being is the second category. And this is feeling strong in your body and mind. So you will absolutely feel more resilient if you have this. So it doesn't mean you need to be like, you know, some CrossFit junkie and eat bark and any of that stuff, but it does mean you need to take a minute and be respectful of your physical well-being. And again, your the well-being of your mind. I'm going to talk about thinking in a minute. That's the third uh, component. But your actual mind and allowing it to rest is a big deal. Not having it busy all the time. You know, if you're standing in line, you don't have to pull out your phone. Just stand. Just stay. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. Don't busy your mind. Let it maybe pick a point on the wall as you're standing in line, you know, with your groceries or something. Pick a point in the wall ahead of you and just focus on it. Um, maybe look around and uh, think loving, kind thoughts to the people around you. Maybe sit and think loving, kind thoughts of yourself. These are ways to calm and quiet the mind. Uh, instead of pulling out your phone and scrolling through Facebook, put on, get the Calm app or, or Insight Timer or Headspace or one of those and do a 30 second meditation, a 30 second sound bite, uh, ohm in your head, any of that, calm your mind. So, and your body too, again, you know, eating junk. I want you to think about being respectful. I think that's the word that helps me. So eating junk food constantly, not respectful. It's not respectful to your body. Uh, being so out of shape, you make a lot of noise when you get off the couch, not respectful to your body. I do make noises when I get up, so I'm not going to get too into that. But ignoring your need for sleep, that's not, that's not respectful. Taking, uh, not taking any breaks during the day and working nonstop, not respectful to your body, not respectful. Smoking nonstop is not respectful. Drinking too much booze isn't respectful. Are you getting the idea? Just in general, if you think, like right now, if you sat and thought, have I been respectful to my body and my mind so far today? It, 
think about it. What have I been doing? How have I been treating it? If it's not kind, if it's not respectful, I would say rethink it for the rest of the day. If you're listening to this right now, what if you just listened and maybe took notes instead of doing 15 other things? What if, <laughs> what if you just tried to do that? Um, I know sometimes when I'm listening to a podcast or something, I do. I just try to take notes. The other thing I do sometimes is is uh, maybe do a mindless game on my phone or something, but that's kind of hard. If you have to do any thinking, you know, you'll kind of drift out, drift back, but it's all okay. So again, you know, I'm not talking, again, I'm not talking about a strict diet or, or workout regime, you know, boot camp or anything, although that's fine if it works for you, if it works for you to be on strict diets and do boot camps, I'll try not to hate you, but I get it. But I am talking about, again, just being mindful um, and kind to your physical needs every day, or at least as consistently as possible. So, you know, move a little every day, just do anything. It's a quick walk, walk around the block, get out there and move. Uh, paying attention in some way to what you drink and what you eat, you know, copious amounts of coffee, sugar, all that, you know, again, not respectful, not really paying attention to your physical well-being. Okay. So uh, humor is, and this is part of this to me too, um, humor is another thing I use a lot. I mean, I think I mean, overall, how I keep my, I feel like how I keep my life feeling calm um, is to help me, I put things and to help me put things in perspective is I lighten the F up. You know, I don't take everything so seriously. I do it with the couples I work with too. People come in, they're just so overwhelmed. They're so done. There's again, no optimism there. There's no good thoughts there. Life does not need to be so heavy. Whenever I hear the struggle is real, I'm like, uh, you know, I, I say it myself sometimes, but it really does not need to be a struggle. And dare I say, shouldn't feel like a struggle. If you're doing it that way all the time, you're doing it wrong. Um, I say with love, I say with love, but it is not why we're here. We're not here to struggle. We are here to be beings of light and joy. So if there's not any light and joy in your life, I need you to think about that. How do you, and maybe you start by being respectful to your body and your mind. Start there, uh, as we just said. But, uh, you know, and the joy and humor and finding that makes it much easier to bounce back. It really does when there's some lightness. And humor always helps me keep things in perspective. It helps me just feel differently in a given situation, be more resilient when those, when the tough stuff comes up. Uh, I found a lot of humor in my day yesterday <laughs> with all, even at, not again, in the moment, there was not humor for me, but soon thereafter there was. Um, getting it out of that all or nothing thinking or thinking the world is out to get you in some way, right? You know, please, the universe is too busy. It's not, it's not running after you. Uh, it's got, it's got other things going on. So you can't change what's happening likely, you know, in some situations, I couldn't change yesterday, you know, having to redo the podcast, realizing I had to redo the podcast and having to redo this training, but you can always be in charge of how you respond to it. I can be in charge of how I respond to it. And I'm choosing to see that it's much better now. And I actually think it is as I'm, as I'm standing here speaking to you, I feel like I'm doing a better job than I did when I did the podcast. I really do. <laughs> and I think I did a really good job when I did it the first time, but I'm just really excited about it in a whole different way right now. So there you go. All right. The third component for this more resilient life is healthy thinking. Now, again, calming your mind is, 
it, which we just discussed is great. So you comment, right? You you find spaces, uh, places for it, it for your mind to have space for your mind to just be free for a minute. But what happens next? And I'll tell you, getting calm does not mean that negative thoughts stop. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes when I'm quiet, those negative thoughts can be the loudest. And I believe that's why a lot of people don't like to be (laughs) calm. They don't want to think anything negative. So what you have to do is work on that so that that's not always what's happening, these intrusive thoughts or these these things coming at you. So you've got to work on changing. You know, in 12 Steps, we call it your stinking thinking. Uh, But (laughs) you want to work on changing that stuff that, that negative, bad way of thinking. And there's a few tools I want to talk about here. So one is this being more optimistic, learning to have a more optimistic outlook is huge. And it, and I will tell you, having a positive outlook is the most important predictor of resilience. Number one, all that's what the studies say. That's what we've got. So, you know, and when things happen to you, you have this sort of internal dialogue, this way of explaining things to yourself. It's what uh, Martin Seligman of the University of Pennsylvania, he's kind of the father of all of the optimism and the positivity research and all that. He calls them explanatory styles, this like way we talk to ourselves. So, you know, an example is you're brushing your teeth in the morning. Here you are this morning, you're brushing your teeth and oops, some toothpaste spills down your shirt. You, You got all dressed for work, you're all ready and toothpaste is on your shirt. So, you might say to yourself, "Ugh, I'm such a klutz. I'm always doing this kind of stuff. What is wrong with me? Ugh, I'm so annoyed. Uh, and ugh, my whole day's ruined now. I, I can just tell the whole day is going to go this way. Or you might think, oh, oh, crap, I got toothpaste on my shirt. Oh, oh well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll change into my blue shirt. That looks better on me anyway. And not give it another thought for the rest of the day. So both of these are ways of explaining the toothpaste to yourself. What happened with the toothpaste? But it's the same thing. Same toothpaste dropped on the shirt, but there are different ways of explaining them to yourself. And as you can see, they're, they will absolutely affect how you think the rest of the day, um, what you think about, how you feel about yourself, your self-concept. All that gets affected by that. So again, I have this whole free gift for you, this optimism jumpstart workshop. Again, just about an hour-ish of your time. That's it. And you're going to take the test. You're going to do all the things. It's so cool. I You really have to make time for this. It's really neat and exciting. And um, and I'm very excited to give it to you. So I want you to take it. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, the other thing you can do to have this more healthy thinking is really focus on um, being uh Effective, not correct. You know, I talk about this a lot. You got to decide in all your interactions if you want to be correct or effective because you can't be both. So, you know, yes, you might be very correct that your partner should be willing to go to therapy with you, but nagging them about it doesn't get you where you want to go. Have you noticed? Uh, (laughs) You want to think about how to be effective in this situation. If your partner won't go to therapy, you could go. You go. Go work on yourself. You can investigate other ways to make changes in your relationship that don't rely on their actions. Dare I say I wrote a book about this. Be happily married, even if your partner won't do a thing. If you haven't bought my book yet, I don't understand why you haven't. Go get the book. It's on Amazon. It's easy. Uh, It's also on my website. Anyway, so focus on being effective, not correct. The other way to really uh, work on healthy thinking is, and this is a biggie, is to take full responsibility. 
this, you got to take full responsibility for your life, the whole thing. And I will, I, I talked about this before and I use different acronyms for this. I change them all the time, but, but the one I'm using right now is it's the, it's the same things, but, um, because people say, well, how do I know if I'm doing this the right way? How do I know I'm taking full responsibility? And it's basically, to me, it's by not doing any of the following. If you are acting in any of the following ways, you are not taking responsibility fully for your life. And I, uh, the acronym is VERB with two R's. The V stands for victim. Don't be a victim. If you're acting like a victim, you are not taking full responsibility. The E is for entitlement. If you are acting entitled, if you feel like you're due something, so you just get to whatever, hey, I work around here, I'm due respect or I'm due that, you're you're not taking full responsibility for your life. So uh, thinking you can read anyone's mind is the first R in verb. Thinking you can read anyone's mind or that they can read yours is unhealthy and not taking full responsibility. Oh, I know what he's going to say, so I'm not going to say it. That's such a load of crock of bullshit. I can't even tell you. Got to stop that. Uh, if she really loved me, she would know what I want for my birthday. Um, again, y- you can't read anyone's mind and they can't read yours. You got to stop. Just stop. So uh, the second, the third, the second R in verb is rescued. If you're waiting to be rescued in any way, if you're waiting for someone else to do the thing, well, I can't do anything if my partner won't change. You know, yeah, they have to do it. Or sometimes I know in therapy, people are looking to me to change their marriage or solve problems. It's not my job. That's your job. Uh, I'm here to help and support you. I am your guide. You know, I'm your guide through all this. Absolutely. I want to support you a thousand percent. But at the end of the day, uh, I've definitely had people say, well, will you talk to him? You know, or you talk to her to about their partner. Um, I've had parents call me about trying to fix their kids. And I'm like, I can talk to you as the parent and try to help you realize what you are or aren't doing, but I'm not here to fix your kid. Um, so, and that's, that can be hard, but we, we sometimes wait to be rescued or you're spending a lot of time rescuing others. You know, you're doing more than you should. We call that codependency also. And the B of verb is blame. If you are blaming anyone else for anything in your life, you are not taking full responsibility. I say all this in all of my Jewish mother love. If you are doing any of these, it does not mean you're a bad person. It does not mean you are hopeless or anything like that. It means that you really have to uh, take shift because taking full responsibility for your life is really at the heart of resiliency. It is. It's what I'm talking about today. You got to start being resilient before you look at your partner to be resilient or the couple to be resilient. You have to. And what verb really adds up to is making sure that you're taking regular action to move towards your goals. Another piece of resiliency. There's no waiting for someone else to do anything. You're not waiting for them. You're not waiting. You're just doing. Uh, Think of that one thing you can do, that one action you can take. It doesn't matter how small it is. That one thing to move towards where you want to be and how you want to feel. Okay. And the last of those four components uh, for resiliency is meaning. And we're going to wrap up with this. So if you want to be more resilient, you know, you really got to find some meaning in your world. You got to do it. Uh, Obviously, helping others and volunteering is an easy way. You know, that's a good way to get the job done, right? Find some meaning. Uh, You know, when I know when I'm upset, Nothing helps me get my head out of my ass more than helping other people. It's without a doubt. Uh, 
talk about a quick way to put things into perspective and stop making, you know, stop taking myself and my life quite so seriously. It's a great way. There's always bigger fish to fry. And it just takes you out of yourself and again, gives you that perspective and that ease and that time. And it's uh, now again, if you're helping people in a codependent way that's making you more stressed because you're not taking care of yourself, that's not helpful. Uh, but I'm talking about just that true altruism uh, is, is quite a lovely thing. So when, so, and it doesn't, when you have meaning in your life, you know, I find a lot of meaning in my work. I do. I love what I do. I'm trying to change the world one relationship at a time. I feel what I'm doing right now in this podcast where, you know, I don't make money off my podcast. You know that I love it. I, I, it feels so fulfilling to me to, I just think it's my life's work to help. So I want to help and I can help the most people this way. I I can reach people I never could reach another way. And it really, I think it comes across when you listen, you know, it's like, wow, she's really here trying to help me because it's true. (laughs) It's it's what I feel. Um, So that gives tons of meaning to what I'm doing in my life and why I'm here. And it really helps to be more resilient when you feel connected to that. Now I want, again, it doesn't mean that I don't, feel, and you shouldn't feel bummed or hurt, angry or upset when something bad happens, you know, just because you have meaning that, you know, like, oh, I love my work. Doesn't, doesn't mean yesterday when I, you know, realized when I lost the training and, you know, realized I had to do the podcast again and all that. It, it doesn't mean I didn't feel the, some feelings that sucked, you know, some, (laughs) I felt upset. I felt uh, overwhelmed. Uh, I was, I was sad, (laughs) you know, all those things. It just means you don't wallow in it. So feel the feels, go there, go there, people. And I mean, really go there. I was deep in the feels. I allowed myself full feeling there. But then, you know, after a time, it's time to reframe it a bit, right? It's time to shift. And finding meaning for what's happening is an important way to bounce back from it. It really is. And I will say, cause you know, sometimes just bad stuff happens. Uh, you know, you're, you have a pet who dies or a person who dies that you love, or you lose a job or you, and again, there's, there's a, there's a choice there about how long you, you know, really feel crappy about whatever happened. And now I want to say this too. It doesn't mean, you know, being resilient doesn't mean, oh, I felt the bad feeling for five minutes and now I feel fine and I'm moving on. It means that you feel the bad feeling fully for five minutes or a day or three days, whatever you give yourself, but then you you don't allow yourself to just stay stuck there to because it, it ends up being like a stuck place. So yeah, you're going to, if you're, God forbid your mom died or something and that really upset you, it's not like after two days, you're going to go, okay, that's done. You're going to come back, you know, maybe you're, do, you're cooking something that used to cook with your mom and you're going to feel the pain of the loss of not being there with her. But what resilience means is that you then shift that into, I'm so, so happy I had that time with her on this planet to make this bread that I now make for my kids uh, and that I pass down. And I'm going to make sure my kids, when we, when I, when we eat this bread later, I'm going to make sure I talk about my mom and, you know, that we have a a fun story about her. Because I will tell you this, your mom or your pet or whatever, whoever died, whatever that was, they do not want you drinking over them, ruining your own life, not finding uh, if, if your partner dies. They, they, they do not want 
you having a horrible life after that because of what happened to them. They want the opposite. Now, they might have been a real asshole in real life and you're still upset about them dying. And even if they were an asshole in real life and said, oh, I never want you to marry again if I die or, you know, you're going to miss me when I, or however they might have been. I am telling you that once they do die and they're not in this physical body anymore, they, they no longer feel that way. That ends. Uh, they are in the light and whether, you know, the, all of that shifts. I'm not going to have a medical physical conversation, metaphysical conversation with you right now, but, but that does change. But either way, Moving on, getting back, uh, you you want to you know feel the feelings that intense feelings originally, but then again, not wallow in them. Don't wallow. Wallowing isn't helping you. So, and the meaning in something might also be something uh, spiritual or religious for you. That ha- I hear that all the time. You know, it's God's will or. Um, a change is a constant in the universe. So that's okay. So I understand it's, it's how the universe works. And if saying these kinds of things to yourself, uh, helps put things in perspective, then keep doing that. That's awesome. Great. I love it. For some of you listening, those kinds of statements, you know, it's God's will. They feel like total BS, like platitudes and you hate them. For you, I'd say to ask yourself something like, uh, when something bad happens, what am I learning here? I want you to assume that this happened for a reason. Something here is for a reason. And it might not be a reason you like, by the way, but it's a reason nonetheless. What can you take away from what happened? I've spoken many times about my uh, my heroin addiction. I certainly wouldn't have wished that on myself. If I had to do it all over again, I don't think I'd want to be a heroin addict. Um, but it is, I, I can't unring the bell. I can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It is what it is. I, to sit and live in regret of all the wasted years and I could have done this and I could have done that isn't helping me. <laughs> it's not going to make it happen. So instead I choose to think, what did I, what did I learn from that? And I believe, I believe fully I would not be doing the work I do if it hadn't been for that. I would have, I believe I would have had a very different trajectory in my life. So for whatever reason, maybe it helps me relate more to people. Um, I did some horrible, shameful things in my addiction and I feel like I can relate to people's shame, you know, in a whole other way because of it. You know, there's layers and layers and layers of it. So there you go. Um, and I'm going to end with this great, uh, quote by Steve Jobs that you've probably heard, you know, the very famous founder of Apple who we lost a few years ago now, but And he very famously said this, I think it was in the Stanford commencement speech or something, but he said, again, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. I love this quote because that's just it. If I had been that addict looking forward and failing in rehabs and failing out of school and having all these things, I certainly wouldn't have thought this is a good thing. But you keep striving, you keep going, knowing, believing in your soul that someday you'll be able to look backwards and go, oh, that's why that happened. Oh, that's how that all fell into place. Somehow, some way that it'll all make sense eventually. And so there you have it. That is our podcast for today. The 100th episode, it's a wrap. Season two, it's a wrap. I want to say, I'm going to cry if I do this. I'm going to be careful. But 
I'm so, so hugely grateful for our time together and for you listening and being here with me and, uh, the emails and the uh, messages, all of it is supremely humbling and uh, uh, appre- um, appreciated by me on uh, such a huge level. So I told you I'd cry. That's what happens. Uh, you make my life wonderful. So thank you. Thank you for being here with me. I'm really excited for you to do this optimism workshop. You've got to come to the website, abbymetcalf.com forward slash podcast. Uh, this is the hundredth episode and you will find the optimism workshop. It's worth an hour-ish of your time. And I will talk to you next week. Have an amazing, amazing week. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.